following program knows that money doesn't grow on trees, but would love to find that money tree if it existed. The financial information in this podcast is general guidance only. You should consider this guidance further in the context of your own financial situation and needs. To get financial advice that is tailored to your circumstances, you'll need to lock in an appointment with a professional for individualized financial advice. In fact, we'll be on cloud night if you did. Any media clips have been clicked out of the public domain under the fair use and fair dealing guidelines. Money talks, money walks, money climbs, money falls, money sings, money flies, money bites. Welcome to Money Bites, the podcast that makes money bite sized. We're about to delve into the media archive to show you what we can learn about money from the pop culture references around us. This episode focuses on what we can learn about money from one of my favourite shows in the 90s, Sex and the City. Now let's delve into the episode where Carrie has just broken up with her boyfriend Aiden and is dealing with next steps after they've literally just broken up. This is going to get a tiny bit emotional at the start. Roll the tape. Three hours later... I peeled myself off the bathroom floor. Apparently, there were things that were difficult for Aiden to say as well. I curled up to read Aiden's last words to me, also known as the goodbye letter. Evicting her? He's he's not evicting her. He's giving her 30 days to decide what she wants to do. Well, that's just tacky. Look, life gets complicated. Steve and I are drawing up papers to timeshare our kid. Great love stories are supposed to end with tragedy and tears, not papers from the law firm of Golden Vogel. This is more than fair. He's asking you to buy your apartment for the exact price he paid, or you can vacate and he'll sell it. Vacate? I'm homeless. I'll be a bag lady, a Fendi bag lady, but a bag lady. Yeah, breakups are tough, and even tougher if you live together. And I really want to clarify for Carrie and anyone else listening, breakups when you live together is often not about the romance, it has to be about the practicality, so clarifying how the assets will be divided. And it's difficult because it's emotional, and if you're in that boat, try and get a third party in to help you, just so they make sure you're getting what you deserve, and you're going to be okay financially afterwards. And this actually underscores the issue of ownership within a relationship, Ownership because Aiden paid for the apartment. He owns it as well as the one next door, in fact. He has legal right ownership in this situation. Carrie may have de facto rights if, for example, you live together for around two years, you could show investment in the relationship. There's a whole lot of criteria around what does and doesn't get defined as de facto, and that changes based on where you live, so it's always worth checking out. But in this situation, Carrie and Aiden only moved in together recently, so this wouldn't apply. Now, with Carrie's references to being a Fendi bag lady, but a bag lady, this refers to her prioritising putting her money towards designer clothing, so she'd be very well-dressed, but still without an asset or a home. There's not necessarily anything wrong with buying Fendi bags. However, it does mean that if you're sacrificing it by putting it towards that rather than something else, you might be losing out on something that might be a better investment. Let's see how this goes for Carrie. Well, maybe you should think about buying your place. No, I'm not a buyer. New York is a town of renters. Everybody rents. I don't. 
I don't. I don't. You got yours in the settlement. You did not have to pay for your apartment. Oh, I paid for that apartment. Thank you. No, I'll get this one, and I don't want to fight out of you. Save it for your down payment. Carrie has good friends. They're encouraging her to buy her place, including buying breakfast for her so she can put the money towards a deposit to get a bank loan and pay for her apartment. It may take more breakfast being bought for her than that, given a breakfast won't really add up to the amount she needs, but it's a really nice gesture and a step in the right direction. I really like how this bit underscores a misconception that everyone rents and therefore Carrie can rent. She doesn't have to think about buying because everyone's doing it. It's that kind of groupthink idea and it's based on a misconception because all her friends actually own their apartments. And this really underscores again the importance of talking to your friends about money and the choices they're making rather than having assumptions that you keep for longer than necessary or that over time don't become as true. Okay, let's look at your assets here at the bank. We may be able to use them as collateral for the loan. It says here that you have 700 in your checking account. I just paid my credit card bill. And 957 in savings? Look, Linda, you're single, right? So I'm sure that you can appreciate my problem. I just broke up with my fiancé, which, trust me, is traumatic enough. And now I have... 25 days to either find the money to buy my place or I am out on the street. Do you have any other income besides the column? No. But I was chosen as New York Magazine's best pick for city columnist. I was the pick over Pete Hamill. What about your assets outside the bank? Uh, property? Stocks? Bonds? No. No, no. I'm sorry, Miss Bradshaw, but you're not a desirable candidate for a loan. <clears throat> so the context for this clip is that Carrie's at a bank to see whether or not she can get a loan to buy her apartment. When you request a loan from a bank, you're asking them to pay for something for you now and you're going to pay them back later. So the bank's trying to judge whether or not to give Carrie the money right now and buy the apartment for her based on whether or not she can pay them back and will be able to pay for the loan. Now, looking at Carrie's finances, this makes me slightly cry on the inside because she only has $700 in her everyday account or transaction account, the one you buy coffees with and stuff like that, and less than $1,000 in savings. A scary amount of people have less than $1,000 in savings, and if that's you, we've got some fantastic articles on Money Bites about why you should consider increasing that and why you should consider getting an emergency fund as that buffer because if you have a life emergency like your washing machine breaking down or the car you need to get to work breaking down, you might get into financial difficulty. And Carrie is very much in that scenario. She has no safety net. They then look at her income, so the amount of money coming in. Her only income is writing a newspaper or magazine column, which is rarely well paid. And journalism is actually a career increasingly less stable than it was because people just don't buy everyday newspapers anymore or they don't subscribe to the newspaper for delivery as they used to because a lot of people now get their news online. Carrie gets really emotional about this, which is understandable because she's just had a bad breakup, but it's not the place to get emotional because a loan application is all about numbers. The bank is trying to make a logical decision. It's not whether or not they like you as a human being. It's whether or not you're a good candidate for a loan based on whether or not you can pay back the amount they're loaning you now. So this is not the place to discuss her breakup. 
The bank teller deals with it reasonably well though. She does try and then be helpful and sees what other assets Carrie might have like property maybe or stocks which means basically owning a bit of a corporation or bonds which are debt securities issued by corporations or governments. Carrie doesn't have any of those. Her assets total around $1,700 at age 35, less than $2,000. So she's found not to be a good candidate for a loan because she doesn't actually have a deposit because she'll need that money she currently has in the bank. She clearly doesn't have enough money to draw on in an emergency, as we've discussed in her savings account. And her income is based on a career that's in a changing industry and it's writing one column if she loses that column, her income stops coming in. She may find it difficult to pay her rent and her living expenses, let alone having to pay a home loan consistently for 20, 30 years. So this is not personal carry, it's mathematics and judging risk. The bank is judging whether or not to take a risk on carry. And at this point, it's not a risk they can manage. So let's see what she does next. After assessing what little assets I had, I realized I would have to change my lifestyle. Excuse me. Can you tell me how much the bus is? $1.50. Really? Wow. Last time I took the bus, it was like 75 cents. You know, for three more bucks, you could take a cab. Why do you have to take the bus if you're on the bus? My thoughts exactly. So here I was. A 35-year-old single woman with no financial security, but many life experiences behind me. Did that mean nothing? After all, heartbreak and breakups are the hardest kind of work. So shouldn't there be some sort of credit for enduring them? And if not, how do you retain a sense of value when you have nothing concrete to show for it? Because at the end of yet another failed relationship, when all you have are war wounds and self-doubt, you have to wonder... What's it all worth? Okay, so full disclosure, I grew up and I quite liked Sex and the City, but at points, Carrie really annoyed me. And this is one of those instances. She comes across as so tone deaf when taking the bus. It's a bit like when politicians have to be told what the cost of a pint of milk is or how much a loaf of bread costs to prove they're ordinary and they're down with the people, you know. She looks down on having to take the bus because she has a public profile, including her column being advertised on the side of the bus. And that's reflected when she tells someone, you know, for three bucks more, you could take a cab. It's like, yeah, I'm sure they do know that, Carrie. But guess what? Not everyone has that choice. Some people need a budget. It's like when people tell you you don't need a budget. If you've never had to have a budget, that's great for you. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't have the income required or don't have a huge amount of money to then not have to worry about where it goes. Most people tend to need a budget so they can plan where it goes. I think it's people just recognizing where they're talking from and who they're talking to. And unfortunately, Carrie doesn't quite have that perspective in this scenario. So once she's got off the bus, Carrie then launches into a monologue because she's writing her column. And it's all about how she's a 35 year old single woman who doesn't necessarily have financial security, but does have many life experiences behind her. I think the issue is she's conflating her worth in terms of her financial worth with her worth as an individual. If you're listening to this and you're relating, it is really important to keep them separate because if you ever have a financial disaster, you need to pick yourself up afterwards. And it's also really important because some of the most important jobs in our society aren't necessarily paid the most. Anyone doubting that, look at the role of nurses during COVID. 
it's really important to make sure your sense of self and your worth in terms of your sense of self is separate from your financial worth. So Carrie's emotional attitude to money could be why she's not got much in the way of assets saved up, because you need to consider it from different perspectives. Emotion definitely plays a role in our attitudes to money, but it shouldn't be the constant lens you view it with, because then you make decisions based on emotion or impulses, like impulse shopping, because you feel bad and need to feel better again, not necessarily what's in your best long-term interest. Speaking of impulse shopping, Carrie's about to go shoe shopping. I'm not kidding. Let's have a look. Oh, water, water everywhere and not a drop to drink. Oh, this is torture. Why are you doing this to me? I can't buy shoes. Well, I have to buy shoes. None of my old ones fit. Even my feet are fat. Well, these are pretty. I'm looking for comfortable. Then I'll try these for you. What? Excuse me? Sir, could I try these, please? And a seven and a half. And, oh, and, uh, um, and um, these and, I guess, those. And, well, I guess just all of these. But, sir... No matter what happens in the next 20 minutes, under no circumstances am I to buy these. I'm just trying them on for fun. How fun for me. Mm. Uh, could I try these in a nine? Sure. Thanks. I'm an undesirable. No, I am. The lady at the bank said I was an unattractive candidate for a loan. Where did all my money go? I know I made some. Uh... At 400 bucks a pop, how many of these do you have? 50? Come on. 100? Would that be wrong? 100 times 400. There's your down payment. Well, that's only 4,000. No, it's 40,000. <gasps> I spent $40,000 on shoes and I have no place to live? I will literally be the old woman who lived in her shoes. Okay, so kind of linking to what I was saying before, Carrie clearly has an issue with managing her emotions in a way that serves her. She's managed to spend, I can't believe I'm saying this, she's managed to spend $40,000 on shoes and she's got less than 5% of that in her bank. For all the hours she's worked, she has very little money to show for it. And this is the issue with impulse purchases. I'm a huge believer in treating yourself, but not to the point where you have to live in your shoes, as Carrie puts it. Because impulse purchases can add up over time and stuff that you want rather than need can end up stealing from future you. Like choices to travel or to have the security of buying your own home. If you don't have the money for that because impulse purchases have already been made, you're stealing from future you. Carrie's put herself right now, even in the scene, in a situation of temptation by going shoe shopping. And she clearly can't control her behavior. She has to tell the shop assistant to regulate her behavior for her and not let her buy any shoes, but she's gonna try them on anyway for funsies. On that topic, as someone who's worked in retail, please don't do this. Don't go into stores with the intent of not buying and then shoving it in the shop assistant's face. It's not nice, it's disrespectful. So make sure you are treating people with respect. If you can't control your behavior, don't go into the store or don't take your credit card with you. Just don't put yourself in that situation if you know you have poor impulse control. So. This episode as a whole is a cautionary tale about allowing your emotions to control all aspects of your behavior, including your financial behavior. Because unless you make the time to step back, put on new lens and assess what's happening, you too could be at risk of being the old woman who lived in her shoes.
what did we learn? This is my favorite bit. Essentially, we're gonna go through and summarize what we learned about money from watching Sex and the City. Number one, don't buy $400 shoes unless you're financially secure. Okay, I'm a little bit biased here. I've never spent $400 on what goes on my feet because my shoes break, but assets like property tend to hold their value. So if you make that choice to buy really expensive shoes, lean into it, but please make sure you're financially secure first. Number two, do you need it or do you want it? That's one of my favorite questions that I ask people because it forces you to think before you spend $400 on a pair of shoes you may want, but then when you need some money to boost your savings, you don't have that money set aside. So next time you're tempted to splurge on impulse, ask yourself and get the Money Bites mentor in your head, do you need it or do you want it? And number three, take the emotion out of money. For some people, money's tied to their worth. I get it. You may think of money and you feel these strong emotions like shame, fear, guilt, or anxiety. But instead, put on a new lens and recognize that money can be simply a tool for achieving your goals. Because changing that lens is a great way to see things differently, including what a bank may see when you go for a loan application. And those are our takeaways about money from listening to Sex and the City. It's disclaimer time. The following podcast's favorite movie line is, they may take our lives, but they'll never take our financial freedom. The financial information in this podcast is general in nature, and we can't account for your individual circumstances. For advice, however, to suit your needs, please see the financial professionals for individualized advice. In fact, we'd be elated if you did. Any media clips have been clipped out of the public domain under the Fair Use and Fair Dealing guidelines. Disclaimer over. have been listening to an episode of Money and Culture by Money Bites. We make this content for free and it's sometimes a bit of a struggle when life gets in the way. But if you have time, we'd love your motivation. You can be our Mr. Motivator. Please give us your support by leaving us a review, sharing this podcast with your mates or subscribing to catch our next episode. Why not? It's absolutely free and it'll be the best investment you can make. Stay tuned for more bite-sized chat about money right here on Money Bites. <laughs>